Who ate? Anyone? How'd you do that? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. No one be ditching this to go eat. And if you do, like, bring us some food? Yes. Soul Garden, I have some fried rice on the table if anyone wants to grab it. I didn't name this panel, by the way. I think one of these guys up here. I thought we renamed it. Oh, well, you, you, what would you rename it? Some fluffy thing like amplifying live music with mobile. So we're here at the concert listing app panel. <laughs> um, who out there is using concert listing apps on a regular basis? Cool. Uh, that's awesome. That's almost everybody in the room. Do you use concert listing apps? <laughs> no. My name's Nick Adler. Some of you might know me. Some of you might not. I own the Roxy Theater on Sunset and produce the Sunset Strip Music Festival and also have a digital marketing company. And we actually work with a couple of the concert listing apps and so I'm here as much to learn because sometimes I don't know and I don't mean this in any disrespect to anyone up here but I don't know what I'm using them for other than to, am I just using them to discover music or am I buying tickets through them am I am I am I buying or downloading music through them so I think we can so learn some interesting things so if we could everybody do a little intro and then we'll jump into it start with you Hey, uh, Ian Hogarth from Songkick, uh, one of the co-founders run the company overall. Hopefully some of you use our app on iOS, Android, or the web, or Spotify, I guess. Hi, I'm Joel Resnikow. I lead mobile product at Live Nation Labs. Oh, hi. I'm Alexis. I'm the director of artist services with bands in town. Hopefully some of you guys use our apps as well, mobile, Spotify, on your, if you're an artist on your website, or Twitter stab. Uh, I'm Jonathan Leone. I'm one of the co-founders of Thrill Call, uh, which you know we all bear some similarities here. Uh, we're focused largely on the venue experience and uh, getting you into shows. Our job is to sell tickets. And just just to follow up on that, what what what? And I, I we won't <coughs> spend too much time on it, but just for people that don't know, what what do you think the difference is between the three different apps that are up here? I'm not you you don't. Yeah. You have an app, or you? We, we can all, pretend we can I do don't exist for a few. Okay. Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's a difference between the. There's certainly apps, and then there's the. You know, the online experience is a big part of all all of our sites as well. So, and I they all dovetail if you want between the two. I don't think it'd be a real productive panel just kind of for us to say, "Hey, my product's better than her product, better than his." No, product. but just something that but stands, I think it, stands I think it, out. But I think for us, what we try to focus on is two things. We're focused on shows that have a ticket and because it's a transaction and we're focused on raising the awareness level of a show in general so whether it's a tour a show or in a metro region the whole battle is to get more more people into a venue you know the roxy is not your typical venue and we enjoy working with you guys but you guys you know have a powerful marketing message already most venues are not that way mm -hmm. and they're whether they have any marketing budget or any marketing infrastructure other than you know some very basic stuff um, their struggle is to fill the house. And so our, what we do is work with them to accomplish that, whether it's through the app or, or online. Oh, same question? Well, yeah, just something that stands out that you feel that kind of might set you apart from the other two apps that are up here. 
Right. Um, so I think that we all share the same goal in terms of wanting to raise awareness. I think all of us are we're all aware of the fact that one of the leading reasons that people don't go to shows is simply because they don't know about them. And we at Bands in Town have taken a multi-pronged approach to trying to deal with that issue. So on one hand, we have an application that consumers use where we send more than 5 million people plus, I think at this point, we concert recommendations and notifications based on their taste in music. We also, like I said, have apps in Spotify that do the same thing, mobile apps, etc. But then we've also decided to help on the artist services side and help artists also raise awareness among their fans about their upcoming shows. So we we have about 120,000 artists to date that use our application on their website, on their Facebook page, on their MySpace page, on Tumblr, etc., and have built in tools that take it a step further. So it's not just about listing, but it really is about engaging. So it has things that enable people that are visiting their site to, and I'm not pitching the product, but I'm actually um, explaining here that it goes a step further in terms of it's not just, awareness doesn't come just by <coughs> simply displaying something. Awareness comes by people interacting with it and so we've gone the extra step in terms of making sure that all of our products have built-in ways to push announcements to the fans to give artists tools to keep their fans in the know wherever that may be because of course every artist has a different strategy in terms of how they like to market themselves in their tour yeah, yeah uh, so I, I think sort of stepping out of features for a minute I guess the way I, I kind of think about it is like there's there's three non-negotiable entities that make a concert awesome, like a great venue, Nick has a great venue, an awesome artist, and people who love that artist and want to see them live, right? And it's, it's you can't really have a great concert without any one of those things. And, you know, everyone knows that if like, you know, a band's most ardent fans aren't at the show, the show isn't as good, right? And if the venue like PA breaks, it's not as good a show. And if the artist like shows up drunk and then just falls off the stage, it's not as good. Or maybe it, maybe it's better. But <laughs> so there's these three entities that like make up a great show. And I think what really characterizes the overall overall space is kind of which entity people prioritize. So I thought it was really interesting the way you sort of said, you know, we ultimately serve the venue, right? And Alexis talked about how you know Bands in Town has a really strong focus on tools for artists for their various websites. I'd say for Songkick, we've always had the fan front and center. So we, we we really track a couple of things. We track kind of how much impact we're having on an individual fan level. And the average fan using Songkick goes to twice as many concerts after they start using our app. And that's, that's a good example of like, I guess, what falls out of us just being so focused on the fan. But at the same time, you know, we also think about how many fans do we reach, right? And I've always thought of Web traffic has been quite a good, interesting kind of proxy for that because you can actually benchmark against the biggest company, which is Ticketmaster. So in in concerts, Ticketmaster reaches about 12 million a month, the unique visitors, and we reach about eight now um, through our through songkick.com. And then obviously mobile is huge for all of us on this panel is growing like crazy. But I think, you know, while, you know, if I'm building Thrillcore, I can't not think about the fan because the fan's using Thrillcore and downloading yeah, course, it, right? Course, and yeah. while Alexis also thinks about the venue and thinks about the about the uh, the fan as well, I'd say that, and we obviously don't ignore the venue and the artist either. We have tools for them and we think about them too. I think maybe the easiest way to sort of segregate the space is to really say like, who's the key customer, right? And the most interesting overarching trend here is that like, this is a space where the key customer has always really been the venue, whether it's AG Live, which is the biggest private company, or Ticketmaster, which is the biggest public company, both of those companies ultimately serve the venue first and foremost. And what you're seeing is a proliferation of things that serve other entities in the space, like with a bit more kind of focus. 
And I'll, I'll just put this because you, you didn't jump in there. Uh, so um, he actually teed this up really nice. We are the Fortune 500 entry. We play in a lot of different parts of the food chain, but a key stakeholder that we're putting front and center is the fan. And not just that moment of, of awareness around the show, oh, my favorite artist is, is, is on tour, or I found this great new artist, and oh my god, they're playing a show. But the entire experience as they are on their computer or laptop to interacting with a fan, to st with an artist, or socializing around an artist, or planning with their friends, to the afterglow of the show and reminiscing over media. Um, we're trying to integrate a lot more of, of our touch within the value chain, but also doing it fully in the context of solving big problems for fans, whether it's finding a ticket to a show or something that will ultimately get them at a show with their friends. Just as a question to all of you, anyone can jump in. What is the ultimate goal? Is it to sell a ticket? And I, it might be different. I mean, it sounds like for you, John, it is. Is it to sell a ticket, or is it to do something with the data to 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 kind of find the fan or give something back to the fan, or is it a right. little bit of both? It's it's one and the same because you have to be both proactive in gathering people's interests historically or through their social media graphs or whatever. Um, but also, you have to go out and find that person that, because you're trying to change the characteristics. I mean, I think Ian sort of intimated this as the song kit characteristic. We have the same similar behavior that you're trying to get people to go to more shows at the end of the day. Um, you're not going to necessarily convert the guy who doesn't go to mu any music shows at all. Uh, that's a tough t behavioral change of that magnitude is a tough nut to crack. But you want to, you know, if the average fan really only goes to one show a year in the general public, um, you're trying to increase that. If you can increase that multiple to two, that's a big boon to the live business, live music industry, and that's where we add value to whatever part of the chain: artist, venue, ticketer, promoter, whoever. Um, it's an, we're a marketing. We're all marketing tools in one way or another, um, and uh, that at the end of the day, that's you, you choose which one of the, which part of that chain you focus on because you can't do all things for all people. Um, and try to actually both gather data to forecast what you might be interested in and also extend our whole thing was extending the life cycle of the event so yes you're going to an event on one day but there's a, a time period before and a time period after where you can interact with your with the users of your site to gather information to market things to them that's of interest to them you know there's that fine line of, of crossing over into you know of privacy issues and bothering people um, and you know we try to avoid that at all costs, but it's extending the life cycle of the event to market all. You know you heard uh, in one of the things earlier. Uh, I forget the guy who's from Golden Gate Capital, but basically trying to increase the marketing of, of what uh, the end product for all of us is the musician uh, performing live, and increase that uh, that opportunity for that person and the people associated with that business model around them, whether it's a venue ticket or whoever to optimize or increase their revenue opportunities in a way that is actually productive for the, the consumer. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we're trying to achieve. And that's, there's no magic bullet for that, silver bullet for that. But I think at the end of the day, we're all taking different tacks to, to get there. And, and maybe you can speak a little bit to the data. Are we, from these apps, are we, are we getting, well, I saw something that the Golden State Warriors are doing, and they're actually using their data to find out, I know it's not music, but to find out which fans are buying tickets on Tuesday, or which mm -hmm. which fans are going on a certain day of the week? Are you guys getting that kind of information on the on the back end of uh, of your apps? I think uh, I mean, to tie in those two questions, I think the live show is kind of that holy grail final stage, 
and a very long conversion funnel from right. finding an artist, listening to them to passively, to buying and listening actively, to maybe going out of your way to interact with them, and then finally spending all that money. And you spend hours a day listening to music, you spend hours a year in live music, but you spend a lot more money doing that. And along the way, I think it's just one optimization exercise, whether it's getting to know your fans better or integrating different services along the way. But in my previous startup life, that's what I, I mean, it was all about data aggregation and optimization to curate the best experiences possible. Well, I guess for me, um, you are sort of asked, well, so I guess the, your question really is like, what's the point of all this? Right? And, and I think. I, I do, sometimes I do think that to myself. Yeah. As a venue, I don't know if you're helping me. Yeah. I don't know if you're helping the band. I don't know if you're getting that ticket in the door. Yeah. So I, I do get confused sometimes. Yeah, and I think that's a really that's that's the right question to be asking. And I guess the way I look at it is that live music is a pretty niche activity. So you know, you mentioned the stat: the average person goes to one concert. I mean, that's compare that to the number of meals out they have, or the number of movies they go to, or the number of sports games they go to. It's a really small number. And I think the reason that's the case is because the industry is kind of you know, drifted to a place where it's not built around the the interests of everyone in concerned, you know, the fan, the artist and the venue in a really nicely aligned way. And as a result, it's just like not that accessible. And I, I think the industry could be just much, much bigger. People go to many more shows if it was a, like a better designed experience for all concerned. And I had a really nice, I, so I went and hung out with um, a couple of our like very, very earliest investors, um, Paul Graham and Jessica Livingston last night from Y Combinator. And um, we were just talking over like over over dinner, and Jessica said, "Oh, you know, um, like uh, Songkick let me down. You know, you didn't tell me about this one show." And we were talking about it, and I was like saying, "I'm really sorry about that." But she was like, "Because you know, I literally rely on you guys. You know, and before Songkick came along, I wasn't going to any concerts. Paul and I hadn't been to a concert in like ten years, and we bought twenty concert tickets in the last two years as a result of Songkick. You just told us about this band, this band. She was going on about them, just showing me all the like, the stuff she like, you know, showing me a T-shirt. It was just such a cool experience to see like how much bigger the industry can get if you make it more accessible for people. And I think it's only just getting started this improvement in accessibility. And I think it's, you know, it's super interesting that Live Nation have spun up an entire team to try and like bring the consumer into the equation with, with, with like uh, um, uh, Ethan and Joel and people like that. It's it's interesting that like people are really focused on how the artist's experience can get better. And I think, you know, the guys at Bands in Town are thinking hard about that. And I think like kind of overall, like I think the opportunity to grow this space is enormous. And that's, a, that's not a statement people normally make in the music industry. Um, <laughs> but I think it's the case. And um, I think we're just starting to get to the place where these applications have real impact. So I'll give you another like counter example of something negative that happened in the last week to me, aside from Jessica calling me out on this show, um, which is a ticket vendor in the UK, a small white label ticket vendor called Ticket Script, I think it is. Um, they were like testing around some new features of their system and they added a test event, which was like Beyonce and Justin Timberlake um, uh, playing at a thousand capacity venue in London, right? And um, and you know we have hundreds of thousands of users using Songkick on iOS, Android, Spotify, web in London, right? And we were like, boom, like sent out an email to like hundreds of thousands of people, and suddenly like front page of Enemy, front page of like Perez Hilton, like, and it just made me realize like fucking hell, like this space is starting to happen, right? It's like there's that much awareness out there, and that much kind of 
the accessibility is starting to go up where like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people open their inbox and we're like, wow, that sounds cool, right? And I think that's just, that's a real indication that as these services get to scale, um, the space as a whole can start to grow and like awareness can really shoot up. I mean, it, it went from like a mi what would be a minor news event on Ticket Script site to being like explosively aware across the whole of. Well, and, if and I could, go uh, ahead. I just want to add to that, and because I agree completely that there's a lot of room for growth. And I think one of the things that's interesting is the motivation and thinking about the motivation of why people go to shows. And a lot of times we assume it's simply because they're a fan of the band. But um, we did a study last year, Bandstand commissioned a big study last year on concert goer behavior. And what we found is that there's uh, different types of people that attend shows for different reasons, and oftentimes it's just to be social. It has nothing to do with the band that they're seeing, but their friends are going. And so that's their motivation for going. Other times it's super fans and they are going. Other times it's, you know, for, uh, you know, it's a band that they went to in college and they don't normally go to shows, but, you know, they want to bring back memories. And, and the point is, is that I think if we are going to grow the space, and I agree that there's so much opportunity to do it, we have to be creative in terms of how we think about who wants to attend shows and what their motivation is in doing it, and then market in a way that meets those different needs. Um, so maybe it is making things that are more social so people can tell their friends, and that way we tap in that market of people that attend for that reason. At the same time, maybe it is um, tapping into different blogs and places that people that are diehard, you know, taught, like first, um, uh, first users, that's not the right word though when it comes to music, but you know, the first to know and making sure that they're aware of music in those spaces. So again, um, if we think about how we're going to grow this space, because there is such an opportunity to do it, we also need to segment out the types of fans and how we reach them. Well, Nick, to get back to your original question, you know, I think, and Ian can correct me if, what was I'm, that? if I'm wrong, is, you know, why, why do these things exist and yes. why, do you, why should you, as an, it's just a music fan, use them? I mean, I, you know, you tell your own story, but, you know, you couldn't find four years ago complete list of tour dates. Yeah, I guess and that was to, also and, a question. What does this replace? Right, I mean, just go back to the very, you know, complete list of tour dates and way to get a ticket for those shows. I mean, it was just simple data aggregation, but the problem with this particular nut um, in live music it is the dirtiest data you're gonna find. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm sure there's dirtier data, but this is not good data. It's not like, and I think where the business is the live, it's a live and event business, and Live Nation is certainly at the head of that, but it's sports is where people are trying to get to with the music business, because you know when the game is on Sunday at one o'clock, and God damn it, those teams make sure you know, right? Um, but because the music is, business is so split up into so many fingers in the pie of a show at your venue yeah. um, that you theoretically control, you that marketing message is, is just dispersed into nothingness it's because so many people are in there and there's not one guy who says, here's the budget for this show. Right? There's the artist who might choose to put some marketing behind it. There's the venue that might choose the marketing behind it. There's a, the label. The promoters, sub-promoters. Yeah, whatever. And those people don't, as you know better than me, you know, sometimes get along, sometimes talk, sometimes don't, sometimes get organized, sometimes don't. But in your venue is one of the better organized venues out there. Um, and so to get people to a sense that I know when an event is taking place, I'm both aware of it, I'm educated on those acts, it may be something different that I didn't know before, but my friends are going, or, or it's a, a genre that I want to get more knowledge of, that's kind of our job. Well, I, and I, that's not scalable at a small, at the, at the one show level. Yeah. It's only scalable when you get into a multi-show, multi-tour, and frankly, um, you know, you have to have a lot of shows to amortize that cost in any given geography. 
I, I, this was one of my questions when I, when I saw that I was doing this. Why is there not an iCal? You know, why isn't there a one, uh, what would an iCal be? It's, a, it's like a packet of data. Like, why isn't there that for the concert business? And I guess I put that to you because at the end of the day, it's going to take a company like a Ticketmaster or a Live Nation to say, you know, kind of like how we switched from beta to VHS or whatever, Blu-ray, and we ended up on it. It's going to take you guys to say, okay, from now on, this is how we input information. And then everybody can share it. Now, we could have thousands of apps. And why is that not happening? Are you talking about kind of one centralized yeah, database? Yeah, one, like how I get my, if someone invites me to this, you know, a standard form of, of, of events. Honestly, I think we're, we're moving in that direction. A lot of people have moved mountains, including a lot of people on the stage, to make that happen. And I think we're moving towards a state of much cleaner data, but no metadata set that is constantly evolving will ever be 100% clean, so I know... But even the way that it, in, yeah. that it comes in, I mean, some people put the artist first, some people put yeah. the day first. Um, you know, you probably have a, a quarter of your company just sits there and goes through data and cleans it up. Yeah, well, I can, I can speak to that. So um, it's a really good question, I suppose, given this is music tech, not just music, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, the challenge in this industry is that there are millions of bands out there there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of venues out there. Um, and all of this data is sort of changing constantly, right? As new things get announced and new things get banned, new bands come up on the radar screen, right? And most bands name themselves after everyday objects. So, you know, you've got a bit of a <laughs> complex sort right. of unstructured data, the structured data problem going on here. And I think, I guess, this, I don't think we're in a place where there is like a, uh, this is solved, but I do think we're closer. And, I, you know, one of the things I, I look at to see if we're closer is just like, how much is this data flowing around? It, so the, the metaphor I always think about with our, with our data is kind of um, of like a central nervous system. Where does it flow to from here? And you know, anytime an, you know, a concert gets added a song kick, we put it on every single video page on YouTube, every SoundCloud page, every Hype Machine page, every Spotify page, you know, any, any of our endpoint distribute, any Vivo page, any Foursquare page. And I think that starts to speak to like the beginnings of standardization. The other thing that's interesting, so you, you, know, you mentioned kind of why is there no standard. The other is input, right? And the most interesting thing I've observed in the last few years doing Sunkick is when we first started, we crawled websites, right? We crawled ticketing sites, we crawled venue websites, whatever, right? Then there was a period of when like, like uh, artists and venues and stuff started coming to us and giving us data. Um, and that started to accelerate. And in the last few years, there's been this really funny thing where like lots of ticketing companies now come to us, new ticketing companies, ticket companies have been around for a while, global companies like ticketing company in Jakarta or whatever, they come to us and they say, what structure would you like the data in? Like, what is your XML scheme that you receive data in? And I'm like, are you serious? Like, we get to, we get to answer that question. And, and like, you know, I send them like a XML stream with like more fields than they could possibly even like comprehend and um because you know it's it's finally it's finally starting to happen the question right, but Nick, that's the answer to your question your original question is that these people finally realize they got to get this data out there it's worth it to them to get yeah. the data out there and you know we had a ticketing company the other day just totally build an xml feed just for us right. yeah, i'm sure they'll give it to everybody else because that's the whole point of the thing but um in the same way you were just intimating and because it, that was a change in mindset than, as Ian said from a, a while ago, so you had to convince people, you had to go like steal their data as it's crawling, um, 
you know, as long as you had permission, they didn't block your scrape mechanism, whatever, to, okay, why wouldn't you want to give me your data is the question I, I tell people now. What, what is the downside? And there's still, to this day, people who want to control this data, because that's the music business, right? The music business, why some of the questions that are asked today about control of the pie and who gets what and rights management and how much you charge, that's just the nature of, and you know this better than me, the music business is an extremely controlling, relationship-driven uh, industry, and some of it's comfort and trust, and you know, by being around for a few years, the group of us have established that, and, and I think they realize, well, that's why these guys are here. They're helping me market my shows, um, and that I'll give you the data. I'll do the upfront work to give you the data. I just, uh, amongst the people that are up here, are you all using different ways to input the data, or is it are we are you getting close to I mean yeah at the end of the day you know the the venue in Peoria it's using ticket system X it's the the mistype that Fred does but we're, Fred the I mean, intern as does, a venue you know. we're all ready for that we don't even know how to give you we, we if, if right. someone said to us give us it this way we're all ready to do that. We well, then just, you can ask no the guy sitting next to you to work on that when he goes yeah, back no, to the I, office. Yeah, no, I, I, I will <laughs> go back to you because if someone just told me to give it in a certain way, I'd give it to you that way. If not, I'm going to give it to this company. Yeah. LA Weekly wants it this way. And, well, they don't and, know either. That's the answer is that, that when we used to power LiveNation.com with all the events that were not LiveNation ticketed events, um, they didn't know. You know, they didn't know what... You know, because they were a ticketing company. You know, they're a promotions company that was trying to do ticketing, and they didn't. It, th these guys are evolving too. The ticketers, everybody is. Everyone's learning what works for them, what doesn't, and you know whether it's a, a standard of X number of fields or this is. You know, there are those standards out there. They're not necessarily created in the music business. They're, the feed business has been going for many, many years. So it's just a question of doing it in a way that people can adjust it, and you know it's a trusted piece of data. But frankly, data you can get from an artist about their own shows. Can be wrong, um, a lot of times. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, you know, and so it's going to be a never-ending story in a way. I, to be fair, though, I mean, it's a business problem. It's a technology problem. This isn't a hard tech problem to solve. But if anyone on the stage said to you tomorrow, from now on, only use us, and we're going to push towards standardization, would you ignore everyone else and not put your data elsewhere? It's just there's well, I would if if an, if enough trusted yeah. people came to me and and it was Ian and Jonathan and you and Alexis and you guys came to me and said, hey, these, this is how we want you to send it from now on. I can promise promise you that the Roxywood down the street, the Viper. I mean, we are yeah. just we are all looking for that because it is on our side when it comes back when we want to use uh, an API and pull in our feed from somewhere. It's a it's usually has gotten scrambled from the time we've given it out to the time we actually take it back into the site. I mean, <laughs> I, I think we all want to collaborate to rise all well, ships I'm not leaving time. here until it's done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing I would add is I think I can probably speak for everyone on this table too, that we want the most accurate data. We want to have every show all the way down to the long tail all around the world. And so if anybody comes to us and says, I'm interested in giving you your giving you our data. I think we'll work with you in terms of what that format is, and there might be a like there might be a format already that you use. Yeah, it's, I, I, so again, it's probably not me. It's you somehow working together with you know a coalition coming together. A coalition. Just like well, I mean, if you look at Blu-ray and what 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 didn't what didn't make it, it was Blu-ray and yeah, one of them didn't make it. So enough people got together and said, okay, this is Blu-ray is going to be the way we're doing it. Yeah, but so, it's it's it's. Um, 
there's multiple people in this chain, and the main connector in all of this, uh, without having to create another avenue to enter your stuff into, is is your ticket, right? It, it, if it's I a think, ticketed show, I think it right? starts as far as for the most part, ninety percent of it, it has to come from the ticketing company, right. or it has to output from from them. Right, and that and that's been you know think about how old some of this technology is in the ticketing business. You know, it, it's taken them. And it's a huge investment. Oh, hey. And no, no, no. And I'm not. I, I love Night Nation. We but were that's very. Why, we've been partners with. No, it's he's doing something that's innovative, right? He's bringing them up the curve. Um, but if you in, you talk to any of the ticketing companies, whether they're consumer facing or white label guys, except for a few that have launched in the last you know three years, it's a bear. They have an old database technology that's grew up in the 70s. You know, and to turn that into something that flips around and equates to the technology we're all used to is a big investment for them, and that's not. And so they take it takes them time and doing different uh, steps to get there, like any enterprise software. Yeah, you know, we yeah I mean, long, long, oh, sorry. I mean, I've spent most of the last two and a half years trying to clean up data and standardize things, and every single person on the stage wants what you want. Mm -hmm. It's just a clusterfuck, and we'll get there. Okay. Fear, I'm, I'm fear not, not. We I'm, can talk about other stuff. I'm not sure I want it. Like, and I, I'll just be. I'll be clear why. Which is, I don't think it really is like a. The analogy here isn't like Blu-ray or like like that kind of a standard. This is about like building a better consumer experience. And actually, if, you know, I think the parallels are. Yelp in restaurants or Google Maps around mapping. Well, or I want to talk Netflix, to you because right? you have some moder you have moderators on. Yeah, we we have moderators, but not but not like at, not to keep pace with the rate we're growing. We need to we need to, you know. And I think that I guess what I would say is I don't think this is about like standardizing things. In the, I think it's more about like just letting the market like letting more of a winner emerge, you know, in the market. And I think yeah. that's how it will naturally occur rather than through standardization. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a it's not um, a question of you know a format. I guess I just want it to happen sooner than later. <laughs> right. so yeah, I, yeah. I think it, it, you know it's not that hard in this day and age to take data in any format and make it into the format that you need to process it through your system. It's just getting that data to start with and making sure that source of data is actually accurate. Yeah. And, and one yeah. more thing I would just add to that as well um, is that, you know, at least for me on the artist services side, I think a lot about developing artists and up and coming artists as well. I mean, we have massive artists that use our products, but we have tons of long tail artists as well. And uh, while it'd be great to just rely solely on ticket feeds, a lot of times they only list the headliner or maybe the top two artists on the bill, but they don't list all the other artists. And so I think that there needs to be um, a comprehensive and more creative approach. I think that um, for us, data quality is a very big deal, and so we don't crowdsource our data at all in terms of tickets, but we do have ways that artists can input it, that their agencies or their label or management can work with it. But I think that it, while, of course, ticket companies are a great source, they're just a source and why, an imperfect one at that. Why not crowdsource? For, uh, for, for us, you, for it's... You. Um, for several reasons, but one of the main reasons is that, again, having so many artists, uh, so artists use us on their own website, on their Facebook page, on their presences, and we just can't risk having, you know, somebody as a joke adding a little wing concert or, you know, because they're funny, adding themselves as a supporting artist to, like, Shakira or something. It would just, like Ian talked about, how, you know, one thing gets added and next thing you know, there's a big blast. Yeah. Well, literally, that blast would not just be because of us sending notifications to our, you know, millions of 
members. It would also come from the artists misinforming their fans. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, it is about the fans. And so even if we have an artist services component, at the end of the day, it's about a better experience for fans and making sure that they're not confused and getting misinformation or getting right. stoked because they saw on Beyonce's website that there's a show and then, oh, it's not actually a show. Right. Yeah, I mean, you have to choose, you know, in any business what you want to be. And, and is there anybody from Eventful here today? Huge amount of traffic, right? But I could create 40 shows for you too on Eventful tomorrow. And as I search through there trying to find something, it's just a bunch of stuff. Um, so the value add that we provide Thrill Call, and these guys do the same thing, not to disparage their products, but we won't put up a show. We, don't, we try very, very hard, uh, right, John? To not put up a show that, is not, uh, that isn't a real show. But, you know, as Ian said, sometimes things slip through, but you come, try and come up with a lot of heuristics and rule sets and matching technology and whatever to try to, try to limit that. And we all have our ways of doing that. And whether it's, uh, we take also source data from the public and try and clean that up, and that is a, is a bear. Um, and we won't necessarily list a show that's just sent in through Facebook or, or you know, we're gonna be powering all the events on MySpace, the new MySpace. Um, and we had to build a really creative technology for them to actually create events and because they didn't want that them to turn back and what if they were before which is a bunch of who knows what that event is right. they want one event for you two at Wembley Stadium and um, so and but they also want Joe the guitar player who's playing down at the bar to be able to put up his 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 event for that day so the the at the end of the day you want to accommodate all those but you can't do everything for everyone and um, you know the, the it, our choice was to be very as accurate as possible, to give up maybe a little breadth in, in terms for a, in terms for accuracy, um, and at the end of the day, we're a marketing company. We're trying to get people to go to shows and even go to their their cover charge bar down the street um, and get live music out there and and hopefully influence behavior, which is a tough nut to do in any any business. I uh, oh can I jump uh, in on that jump one? Jump in. Yeah. So I think um, you know, I think the really interesting thing about Again, like sort of to pull back on this kind of general question, it's like, how do you get everything? How do you have every single concert in the world as early as possible with the most reliable metadata in a manner that's like awesome for the artist, the venue, and the fan, right? That's the end goal here, right? And there's different approaches to it. And I think it, you know, if you think about people who've kind of solved that problem in some other industry, actually, often crowdsourcing is a very powerful technique, right? So Wikipedia is, seems to have quite a lot of stuff on it, right? Um, IMDB is by far and away the most comprehensive database when it comes to, to movies and that, you know, that was built on the back of user submissions and user-generated user content. And I think what we have is this sort of, we, the way we see it is really everyone can be right and everyone can be wrong, right? So a good example is that Beyonce, Justin Timberlake fiasco I described to you, that wasn't a fan, that was a ticket vendor that caused that fiasco, right? Um, we've seen instances of agencies giving us data where the data's been wrong from the agency, and they, that, their job is to have that data right, you know? We've seen instances of fans cleaning up bad data from an artist. We've seen all sorts of stuff. Everyone can be right and everyone can be wrong. And the important thing is, I, I think, and our, our team like deeply believe, to design a system where all the entities can contribute according to the, like, the, uh, the amount to which they can improve the system. Right, and I think that ends up with the most comprehensive, most robust, most accurate set of data. But it's a little bit of a harder path to walk because you don't get to cut anyone out, and you have to let everyone play in some shape or form. Right, and that's been Wikipedia's challenge. It's been IMDb's challenge. It's been Yelp's challenge. But I think eventually it trends towards the most complete data set. 
you have anything to say on that? Or? I mean, I was going to take your point about crowdsourcing and demand a little further. Uh, I think it was a Hunter Walk quote from a talk last week. It's that uh, every piece of content or every piece of art has some latent demand and that nothing has fully reached its, its full potential or has reached the size of the audience that it possibly could. And you're talking about data deficiencies and metadata problems. Yeah, they're a problem. Do they move the needle in the wrong direction? 1%, 5%, 50%. I'm more in the 1% or 2% camp. Uh, but I, I think there's so much more that we can do with data to uncover latent demand. And that's really where it helps the rest of the value chain. I'm talking about making sure that the best shows get booked at the right venues, talking yeah. about that on show night that those seats are filled up. And that whether it's the artist, the, the manager, the agent, promoter, whoever that is can reach a maximum audience and work in coordination with everyone else. And I mean, there's like 25 different problems that we could pick apart and try to solve with different businesses. But I don't think anyone here is not uh, seeing the full picture in terms of venues, artists, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it uh, you know, the end of the day, um, you can come up again, as Ian said, with heuristics to try and say, well, that size venue, Beyonce's you know, not going to perform, so make that an exception. I'm not going to post that show unless I humanly verify it. That's an expensive proposition to do every show that way, but you can develop heuristics that solve that. At the end of the day, certainly the data mining and, and marketing and all is part of what we can provide, um, but you really have to step back. You know, the bigger venues, and I, I'm not, you know, I repeat the venue aspect of it, the bigger artists and venues, they don't need our help necessarily, but um, they book bad shows too, right? Or they, or they, or they, or they book in too big a venue for themselves and don't fill it up. And so we're, you know, at the end of the day, we're here, throw calls here to make sure we'll give you the best opportunity to get as many people who are actually interested. Because the worst thing is to have people who aren't interested in a band show up for a show because you put it on Gold Star, fifty percent off, you know, um, and. Nothing against Gold Star. It's a, it's a perfect model for what they're trying to do. But then the, the band is depressed because the show is not a good show. Um, and then nobody's happy. The venue didn't make any money. The band has played a half full house of disinterested people who are more interested there to drink. Yeah. You know, so it's. Um, and I, I, I want to follow up on that and talk a little bit about the VIP experience because I think that that's definitely something I'm seeing a lot. But uh, uh, we have a question. That's okay. I'll make a, just a, a quick comment is that... Do you have a so mic that you could... Um... So first of all, I want to point out that the customer was speaking when Nick said that there should be a standard for this and that they're ready to, to take on the standard. So listen to the customer, first of all. <laughs> and if you really want to make the fan experience, the fan also wants this because they want the authoritative information. This is technical. This has been solved by HTML. This has been solved by SMTP. You can't fix it until you agree to use a standard. Then you can apply the heuristics. Then you can apply the smart filters. Then you can have authentication and authorization and all the rest to sort it out. It's not whoever has the biggest database wins. It's who works on behalf of the customer and the fan. Yeah, I, mean, I, I personally agree with that. Statement, I so. agree with that, but it's a little bit of like herding cats to a yeah. certain degree. Yeah. And, and, and what happened with your examples, like whether it's Betamax or, or DVD or uh, Blu-ray, you know, that was, a, as I think you were sort of intimating, in that, you know, that was because one company ended up crushing all the rest of them. 
And, um, and you know, that's maybe that'll happen in this space and there will be a de facto standard and maybe it'll be Live Nation that creates that standard. Who knows? Yeah. But, I, it, but it's a standard, again, that isn't the consumer-facing standard. They don't care. They don't care how we get our data. They just want to make sure the stuff is accurate. So it's up to the people generating that data, whatever the format, whether it's a, I'm sending you a, an Excel spreadsheet with a, a CSV because I don't have anything more sophisticated, or I'm sending you a, a great HTML feed, or whatever, a messaging platform through Amazon, whatever the case may be, um, just get me that data. You know, I'll take the heavy lifting off your shoulders um, so that you... Uh, yeah, but it doesn't... All, it doesn't I mean, I, I think we can move on, but I don't think it always works for, for me at the, I agree. As, the as the venue. I, I would rather put it in always the same way right. and, and that's know where that everyone on my block is putting it in right. the same and way. And for you, that's where you go to the person you're paying to sell tickets for you. Um, to say your system has to export, in that case, this data in a way so that... I mean, I'll gladly be so the sole data provider. I mean, I'm totally yeah. fine with that, but, but you are, I have how a feeling much, not how everyone else... How much data are you... I mean, you guys, the two of you are providing a lot of the data that's out there already. I oh, mean, yeah. How much, it's a lot of work every how, day. How much data do you provide in the... In, I mean, probably 30%, 40% Ticketmaster and, and TicketWeb? Uh, yeah, Ticketmaster, TicketWeb is about 30-40% of the market in the U.S. That's a good place to start. But, but also, you know, again, not to... I think Ticketmaster has actually made big steps in doing this. They've improved their, you know, their feed is much better than it was three years ago. I agree with that. You know, and, but um, some of it, there's a process of, of, process of events, but they don't control the industry either. Thank, you know, thank goodness. I love Ticketmaster to Live Nation, but they're, you know, they're getting more competitors than they used to have, right? Just a few years ago. So, yeah. I th just but that's, well, what, I, that's I what I think. I think you guys could be spending your time on actually doing what you do best and you don't have that section of your company that's that's clean that's sitting there cleaning i again i don't know how it works i'm not a technical person i am more of a customer i guess that right. yeah so i mean i'll, I'll jump on this just because it seemed like it was quite directed at me like i i guess <laughs> i uh, i you know my, my 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 take on it is you know i don't think it's um well a i think there's multiple customers that was my point at the start right there's the venue there's the artist and the fan and i think that Ultimately, the best solution is something that serves them all really well, and the best, the thing that serves the the venue, the artist, and the fan best will emerge as the dominant way things are done. And I think that like part of that is about just super serving every fan, artist, and venue out there. But I'm not necessarily sure it's about creating standards across the space. But I think that like it's one it's one way, but I don't think it's the only way. I think you still you know there's still so many other ways in which the data comes about and. Like, should should we move it forward a step? Definitely, but I don't think it gets us all the way there. Did you want to comment on something about this, or? Hold on, here here's the mic. It's coming. Okay. This is kind of directed at uh, Ian, um, but all you guys can answer. Um, so you're talking about expanding the live music industry in general, yeah, more broadly. And it seems like the data collection is kind of like a phase one, and then it's kind of aggregated on one location where you're serving the information to people. And then there's still the, the, d the delivery of the tickets. Um, so do you think it makes sense to have a more centralized ticketing service? Um, that or wow, you're like asking a, a loaded question. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> a question. but it seems like there's, there's a, like a huge problem there too and a lot of customer dissatisfaction. Yeah, yeah, services. I mean, it's a really, it's a super, okay, I mean, I'll, I'll go, to, I'm sure you guys have strong opinions on that as well. Um, but I guess ticketing's a really interesting one because, you know, we have, we have like a lot of people walking around with our mobile apps in their pocket and our Spotify app and using us on the web. 
And one of the most common pieces of feedback they give us is they wish the ticketing experience was better and more integrated into our experience, right? So, you know, in a like a theoretical ideal world, would it be really cool to have a ticketing experience in a song? It would be totally cool, right? I think we could make it the experience and for the user even better. I think that would lead to more ticket sales. There's lots of good things that would fall out of that. But practically, like, ticketing is a pretty, um, pretty complex industry with a lot of, like, lock-ins and a lot of, like... A lot of people who wouldn't necessarily want that to happen in that way and would prefer things that you know the transaction to be remain in 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 their service or their experience and so i think it's uh it's unlikely to be something that changes rapidly um i think you can experiment around the margins and do interesting things but um it's quite hard to uh to sort of it'd be quite hard to ticket like a gaga show at the nokia center like through through Songkit without quite a lot of things moving um, but we're we're always open to working with people on that, and we have conversations, you know, every month with the major venue operators, promoters, and ticket vendors about how we could kind of move the whole thing further, further forward. I think practically there's paranoia and often on the other side of the fence about ceding too much control to to us in that in that process. And you can sort of look at uh, the airline industry as an example of this, where you have kind of. Expedia and you have some airlines that are not on Expedia and it just it's complex to centralize the transaction flow and there's so many different providers um, Nevertheless though the fact that the consumer is asking for that and the artist is asking for that does make me wonder like whether it happens what we are doing that I think is Quite interesting in that regard about I, th I think sort of wrapped up in your question was what's next after data aggregation and like data aggregation is not done we've got like some work to do still but I, I mean there's a lot of exciting steps that I mentioned earlier to suggest it's sort of starting to get there one thing I'm, I'm personally very very motivated about is is the idea that this data in an aggregated form can be used to actually make concerts happen that wouldn't otherwise and we've been doing this pretty crazy idea called Detour as part of Songkick where basically we enable fans to put money down to say like that they basically like you know, if it doesn't look like a band could come to the city to put money down to say like well we'd love to see it happen right and then on the back of that kind of that commitment from fans actually enabling a show to happen that wouldn't otherwise we've created loads of shows like that and it's it's really really cool because it's like it's not kind of part of the established entrenched no. industry it's just it's us adding value around the edges and I and I think that's just really really but to answer your question it is that is moving that way it's just some people are getting there faster than others in terms of the ticketers that com you know get sending out a commerce API at the end of the day depends who you are and what your mission is and Live Nation has a different point of view than a white label ticketer um, they're going to start baking their commerce API's into services like ours so that you'll just you'll fulfill all the way through you won't have to punch out and go over to another ticketing site to actually buy the ticket and fulfill it. That's That will change over time. That's like, you have to also step back. The ticketing companies are like software companies. They have releases and they plan like five years ahead of time and sometimes they get behind the curve and in terms of where they should be. So, but we try to get in that product plan so that we can do that with them. And I know, you know, Ian does the same thing. It's, but it's, uh, so that's changing, and um, and that'll be an easier consumer experience. Because at the end of the day, just make it as easy as possible for people to buy things. They want you, you know, if they hit your website, make it easy to to walk away with a ticket. Don't throw 400 fees on it. Don't um, make me bounce around to three different websites. Don't kick me from mobile to web to back to something else. You know, that's the problem that that needs to be solved on the technical side to just make that e-commerce experience the best. You know, and for us, what we're trying to 
opportunity to make things a little bit different since Ian gave a good product pitch for a detour. You know, we're working with venues on a regional basis to offer a different type of event. So we're working on like creating at a smaller, medium-sized venue, the same sort of event you might go to at a larger arena where you get a meet and greet or you have a, a chance to talk to the artist. And so it's creating a, a sense of a, of a different type of ticketing experience. And that's what, you know, I think Ian's doing. A lot of venues can't do that because they're locked into contracts that go forever or they got paid up front and they can't dishonor those con contracts. So um, it depends on how you do that. So there are different ways to make more compelling marketing offers to people, something that'll get them in, in the door. And that detour is one way and what we're doing is a different way, but it, the commerce will get easier. So maybe you can't answer, but is, I mean, it'd be huge if Ticketmaster would let everybody do in-app purchases. Well, I, I can only say, and you can please answer this more definitively, I think with their whole transfer thing they just announced the other day is, is a huge step for them in terms of like not trying to control the process that you can transfer your ticket to someone else directly. I, think I don't know, well, I don't know I mean, the answer to this one, but I, I know yes. the answer. Um, <laughs> I, again, I don't represent Ticketmaster directly, but they're actually doing some really, really cool forward-looking things. and There's a lot of people who have traditionally treated like a B2B business and are now thinking about it as a consumer business where the, the fan is first. But I mean, fast forward five years, what is that ticketing layer? Again, I do not represent another company. But where, where is that ticket level? Is it in Facebook? Is it in OS of mobile devices? It can go a lot of different directions, and I think the whole industry wants to move it forward because there's so many different stakeholders, but it's not where it needs to be today. Yeah. I mean, a, a good way of looking at this is to look at the two biggest companies. So, you know, Access, AG's new ticketing things rolled out. And it's rolled out pretty majorly. I mean, it's now like powering the O2 in London. They, I think that almost all their venues are now running through that system. So that's a lot of tickets now. And their view on it is like the transaction can occur anywhere. We don't care. We're a venue company. We're about owning real estate, putting on shows in those buildings, and the transaction can live anywhere. Ticketmaster currently is sort of pivoting towards, a, from what I understand from the kind of rumor mill, is pivoting towards a model where they have all the shows for, all, for as many ticket vendors as will let them have their tickets on their website. And that's more of a shift from being a venue site, a venue services company to a venue services plus consumer services company. And I think you just, the best way to understand where the inventory can live is just to look at who the eventual customer is. Is it just the venue? Is it just the artist? Is it just the consumer? Is it some, some mix of all of them? I don't think this is a super important question because I think this will naturally play out as artists, venues, and fans figure out how they want the world to, world yeah, to look. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's a cool question because, um, and not to, you know. Yeah, it's a great question, it, but it, don't worry about it too much. No, but, uh, but no, because a uh, good example of this, and you know, it's always the, the bigger, bigger dogs get the chance at the bowl first, but Redbox, the video rental companies, they get a direct commerce feed from Ticketmaster, right? So they can sell you the ticket all the way through the fulfillment, yeah. you know, get a P or PDF email to you. Um, you know, none of, I don't think you guys have this yet, but that's coming down the road to other avenues where you can do that. And that's easy, you know, it's weird to think you would go to a kiosk in Safeway to buy a ticket, um, but you know, they're trying to do that their way. Um, but yes, it, it, Ticketmaster, they're, they're all moved that way. It's just a question of how long it takes to get yeah, there. Yeah, it goes to Ian's point. At the end of the day, everyone's gonna figure out how to get us our ticket where and how we want it. But I will say that, in my opinion, I think over the next two to three years, it, it might get harder at the same time as it gets easier because there's, I, I've normally been approached as a venue by four to five ticketing companies in a given year. And I think we've seen upwards of 15 companies yeah. reach out to the Roxy over the last year. So I think, you know, 
th there's a lot of people in the space and 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 but but then I just want to go back really quick to 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 the to VIP experience and I know we probably have to finish up soon but something that we're seeing at the Roxy is and I mentioned this in the last panel is that this band Emblem 3 sold out at the Roxy and then 3 days later uh, I think it's one of your guys' or Live Nation company. It's called VIP Nation, mm. Mm. and it's it's the VIP experience that now is coming on the like two days later. And they sold seventy five dollar tickets for meet and greets with the band, and and so it's now becoming about these experiences that that happen around the band. So I, I think you guys do a little of that, and you do. So. so maybe you want to talk about that. Yeah, so it's mentioned earlier that we did this big survey of concert goers last year, and one of the, I thought one of the most compelling things about it was how consumers responded to the question about these VIP meet and greets and things like that. And I think there's a, sometimes a perception that consumers feel gouged by them because they're so expensive and maybe they're inaccessible. But one of the interesting things is that it turns out fans are willing to pay more to connect with bands. So um, that, that connection can mean a lot of different things. Maybe it's just sitting in on sound check or maybe it is a meet and greet, but people are willing to pay for that opportunity. The interesting thing though, is that they weren't quite as interested in paying for convenience things. So cutting the line or like necessarily better seats was not something that consumers were as willing to pay for. But when it came to the opportunity to connect more with artists, that was something that they, that there very much is a market for. And I think more and more folks, um, more and more folks, excuse me, more, more, more and more folks on the um, artist side are seeing that. So with that in mind, we launched uh, last year a ability for mid-tier artists to or anybody using our platform really to create their own um we call bands dumped specials but to create their own packages um ticketless or with tickets of course ticketing is very complicated as we all know and so um it's not easy to, it depends on what kind of deal you have with your tickets with your ticketing company but anyway it created the opportunity for anybody to sell their own packages along with their events and um rather than it just being the top tier artists who use uh, VIP Nation or who use um, Artist Arena Ground or Ground Control, Control. etc. We wanted to give all artists the opportunity to create these and I think that um, more and more artists are seeing that there's an opportunity and even if you're not a huge artist you still have core fans that are interested and willing to pay more for the opportunity to have a once-in-a-lifetime or you know a memory just with you and I'll just speak uh, quickly to one that really uh, found interesting using this platform. We partnered with Invisible Children and spanned the Somerset, and they did um, little local shows uh, with the Somerset, capped at like 30 people, and all the money went to Invisible Children. And it, they like would send a text message saying where the place was, and kids got to go and literally stand with the Somerset while they did an acoustic show. Like one of them was in a parking lot and got to take pictures and hang out with the band, and all of them after were just saying that this was something that connected them so much more, and of course, of course they're going to go to more shows, of course they're going to buy more albums because now they have this connection. I think there's a real opportunity there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, when you step away from the, you know, at the smaller band level, they're the bands at the merch table, you know, after a show. So you you keep that selling that experience, I can just go over and get it, you know, but the, but at the middle tier level, you know, we hit, we do uh, the Central Park Summer Stage. We have a work with the New York Park System to do that. And, um, you know, one example where people are more than willing to pay for a different type of seat, and that's we've talked to you as well about, is they had a tent. Well, if you're outside and you're in New York, there's a good chance it's going to rain in the summertime. And the best thing that made me feel bad, good about, no, bad, good about what we do um, is somebody, you know, 
tweeted a photo of them in the tent watching Gary Clark Jr. Everybody else is getting wet and they're sitting there dry. Now that fan was willing to pay extra for that experience. Um, and they sent it out to all their friends and it, and it was a great little marketing tool for us, but it also showed by working, you know, the, the New York park system is not a great you know, promoter of their shows and they're not a great uh, setup for their venue, but we helped work with them to create this little area. And it was a win-win for everybody, you know? And so the, it's creating an experience that, whether it's a show that wouldn't have come to South America through Detour or, um, you know, an artist having some a value add, you're, we're, at the end of the day, we're, serving as, a, again, a marketing tool to create experiences for people. You do a great job of that, the Roxy, because part of your venue has that aura to it anyway, but the average venue doesn't have that to work with, and so we're trying to work with them to create a different experience that they can offer people to get people in the door. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that, and I think what it comes down to is access, and I think there's two different models. There's, like you said, it's about a tent, but then it's also, there's a totally different experience there, it's about being with the band, and then on your side, it's really being able to bring a band. I mean, the power of yeah. being able to bring a band to a certain city is 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 probably the most powerful of 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 the couple that we've been talking about. I mean, do you do you feel that way? Do you get that feedback from the fans? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like um, it's not for all bands and it's not for all fans, but I think it's just really cool to be part of something like that. You know, like it feels. I just, grew, I mean, I grew up in Southeast London and I always used to be into US hip hop and I always used to be on MySpace <laughs> and I see all these comments from people being like, come to London. And I was like, yeah, they should come to London. I'd, I'd do something to make that happen. And it's, I feel very proud to, that we're like, in some ways being part of actually making that, making that more possible for, for like my 16 year old self. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, it's a very magical feeling. If I could add just very, very briefly to yeah. that and then we're about to wrap up. But I think that also on the data side, I think that a lot of us have a lot of insight into where bands tour, where fans are accessing them, um, how many fans and where their demand is. And so you can create that same opportunity to bring um, bands to new places just based on having a footprint of what similar artists have already been there or whether that demographic yeah. is interacting with them in a certain place. And I think that's unique data that we have and are excited to share because it does create new opportunities for artists and their fans, which well, is the goal I mean, of the day. And, and, and I, I'm going to close it here, and I think on that note, it's a great note to end, is for venues, if we knew what shows you know, we were going to sell out, we'd probably sell the ticket for a little less, which mm -hmm. then we're giving the fan a little bit more. And so it sounds like we'll do this next SF Music Tech and get a little bit more into the data and, and how to help the fan out. But I'd like to thank, do you want, would you like to jump in? I was just going to say we're going to have to rename the panel. Okay. <laughs> Concert listing apps and the future. Thank you, everyone up here. It was a great conversation. Everyone give them a round of applause. <laughs>